Hey, Sean Gaby here. Welcome to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Wherever you are listening from, we are glad that you have joined us. Please follow us on Instagram at Sean Gaby and at Supernatural Leadership Podcast and or visit kingdomculture.ca or seangaby.com for more engaging content around topics we will be discussing. As well, you would love it if you would leave a review on this podcast as it helps boost our ability to get this content out to more people. If you are new with us today, just want to inform you that we will be releasing a new episode on the first Wednesday of every month and every so often a bonus episode. So make sure to hit the subscribe button so you can keep up to date with every episode. There are so many great leadership podcasts out there and truthfully, I love so many of them. So why supernatural leadership? Really, it's the difference between presence and principle as we discuss in episode one. The very first episode of this podcast really sets the tone for the why and purpose for this podcast. I would encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. Simply put, we believe everyone has a leader within them at some capacity. Whether you're a CEO, non-for-profit director, media mogul, church leader, pastor, small business owner, manager of teams, a dad, a mom, and well, the list could go on. If everyone has a leader within them, why not make that leader a little more supernatural? That's the heart and goal behind this podcast, helping you connect your natural with God's super, making your leadership a little more supernatural. At the end of every episode, there will be practical activations and exercises to help us grow and mature in the various areas discussed. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode on our Supernatural Leadership Podcast. We believe that everyone has a leader within them and our hope and is to help that leader become a little more supernatural in their everyday Today we are talking about a very exciting topic and that is the leading from the word of wisdom, leading from the word of wisdom. And to do that, we have a special guest with us. I'm super excited today. His name is Sean Bowles, friend of Michelle and I, international speaker, TV host, author of best-selling books, Translating God, Keys to Heaven's Economy, Breakthrough Prophecies, Prayers and Declarations, and Through the Eyes of Love. He is a producer Christian minister, and church planter. He has been leading conversations in the church, entertainment industry, and in social justice that have helped believers connect their faith to culture in a transformative way. He resides in Los Angeles, California, where he lives on an urban farm. And you can check out the Instagram handle, Dream Big Urban Farm, with his amazing wife, Shri, and their two daughters, two dogs, a cat, and six Chickens. Sean is also a contributing <laughs> journalist online to CBN News Network, Charisma News Network, along with Faith Links Online. He currently hosts Exploring the Industry show and podcast on CBN News Network, Translating God on TBN, and Exploring the Prophetic podcast on Charisma Podcast Network with over three and a half million downloads. Sean Bowles, welcome. So good to have you on our Supernatural Leadership Podcast. How are you doing? I'm so glad to be here. This is amazing. So good to have you here with me. And I'm excited, man, because we get to chat through really a favorite uh, gift uh, of the supernatural of mine. That's the word of wisdom. And specifically, we're talking about leading, you know, leading from the word of wisdom. And a lot of people probably ask, 
the question, well, why the word of wisdom and not just wisdom generically? And really because we're talking about what Paul writes to the church at Corinth about in 1 Mm -hmm. Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, where he says that to some have been given the word of wisdom. I want to read that scripture really quick just to kind of build sort of a foundation for our conversation. And he says this in verse 7 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. He says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. It's the first of the nine supernatural gifts of the spirit mentioned. And I, I was reading this and I love it. Um, yeah, Dr. Brian Simmons, he, he in his commentary yeah. breaks it down out of the passion translation. He breaks uh, the, the sort of the defi or what it means to operate in the word of wisdom. I love the commentary. He writes this, he says this, this is a revelation gift of the Holy Spirit to impart an understanding of strategy and insight that only God can give. This is more than simply wisdom, but the clearly crafted word of wisdom to unlock the hearts of people and free the corporate body to move forward under God's direction. This gift will express the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, not of man. When I've taught on this, I've kind of broken it down as divinely inspired direction of the practical application of a situation or a person's circumstance. It reveals the truth behind what is happening and the steps that need to be taken. Now, Sean, you, you're somebody who moves in prophecy. I mean, you've written books on it. You teach courses on it. You mentor people in it. You move in the word of knowledge. This is one of the, you know, one of the nine in that same sentence that Paul writes to the church at Corinth. This is one of the, this is the first gift mentioned, in fact. And I want to, I want to talk to you about uh, what you believe when it comes to the word of wisdom, why it's important and why, like as leaders in whatever area we find ourselves in, you know, organizationally, you know, business marketplace, why do we need to lead from a place of operating in the word of wisdom? Well, I think with those two definitions that you and Brian gave, we just stopped the podcast. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, you know, the original word for wisdom there was Sophia, which a lot of people have named their kids Sophia or their dog Sophia or whatever. Sorry for those kids that are named Sophia and the dogs are too. <laughs> but it just, it means really to exactly what you said, to know what to do with what God's put inside of you, basically. And this is huge. So this this is a word for knowing that God planned us from before time began for good works, that he knew us in our mom's womb, that he didn't just plan us to do something for him, but he also planned us to, you know, be his sons and daughters to do something with him. He, he, he planned us and planted us so we could share existence with him. And so wisdom shows us how to reign at that existence, shows us what to do. There's, there's this wiring internally that we have that each one of us has. And wisdom helps us to understand how to stay in the lane of that wiring and also how to maximize that can you imagine having a computer and not knowing all that it could do and you just run like solitaire for the rest of your life on it not knowing that it could do virtual reality and that's what a lot of people are living in right wow. now and wisdom helps you to know what the tools you have available are to you what the relationships are where to plant yourself what to do in life and it's one of my favorite all-time favorite gifts because it it weaves in and out of all the other ones whether it's a gift of healing or gift of you know um tongues or anything else like you need wisdom to know what to do on a on an intellectual level, on a people level, you need the emotional intelligence. You need spiritual intelligence on you know on a business level. All these different areas. And I just wrote a book that's going to come out at the end of the year. It's really fun, 
And one chapter is exactly about this, the, the hidden tool of wisdom that no one talks about. That's awesome. That, that's really awesome. I think it's a very underplayed, downplayed gift. I mean, we talk about, like you kind of mentioned it, we you talk about prophecy, you talk about word of knowledge, faith, healing. I don't see a lot of people talking about and teaching on the value of the pursuit of the word of wisdom. I mean, we get this idea that it's important to pursue wisdom, generically speaking. Like yeah, we all want like wisdom. Yeah. yeah, like Proverbs is full of it. I mean, it's a book of wisdom. Ecclesiastes, in some level, is a book of wisdom. Solomon, the one who wrote those two, like, um, you know, he was he was the wisest in that time of all the <laughs> land. People came totally. to hear his wisdom. And so I think just as a starting point, Sean, like I, I you know, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 says, pursue love and desire these supernatural gifts. Go after them, you know. Of course, it says, especially that you may prophesy, but there's something about just having a pursuit and a desire that that word in the Hebrew is the zelo, which means to pursue yeah. like aggressively to go aggressively. after it. We totally. need to go after the word of wisdom. Yeah. I mean, even Ephesians 1 verse 17, it's the first when Paul is saying, I pray that you would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom was mentioned first, even in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, I believe it's verse two, where it's describing the sevenfold spirit of God upon Jesus. The yeah. first one mentioned is wisdom. It says in you know Proverbs 8.22 that wisdom uh, was formed by God in the beginning. And in verse 30 yeah. of that same chapter, it says wisdom was the architect at God's side in the formation of creation. And I love that because whenever I think about wisdom, I don't know about you, but I think of it like a blueprint. I think of it like if you're going to build a building, you need to have the wisdom or the blueprint to know the steps and how to construct the building. And so let me ask you a question. Like in, in, I think, I feel like we paved the groundwork now for why wisdom is important and and then having a desire to pursue the word of wisdom. Can you share with us how this gift has transformed your life or others around you, the operation of it? Like share a story, like give us a, yeah. a transformation story of how you've seen it active in your life. Well, I remember going to this um, boardroom of a chairman of a multinational company and he wanted me to come in because he wanted to talk about Revelation. He, he felt like he walked in Revelation, but it had been so stereotyped by just People are standing up in the middle of, you know, worship time when it gets quiet and prophesy in a church. And so he's like, that's not what I do. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not going to go out on the street and do prophetic evangelism. But he said, you know, necessarily in my lifetime, it would, I wouldn't even be protected to do it. But in my employees and what I'm building, I get a lot of revelation. But is this valid? So he shared about how one of the ways that he had made his, he's a multi-billionaire. One of the ways that he had made the billions for this company was he had his um, staff research companies that were failing by numbers, like finances by numbers and nations that could potentially, if they were rebuilt correctly, impact that nation. And so they came in with 50 companies the first time and he could, and he, they didn't have names or what the companies were, just the financials. And he looked through all the patterns of finances and he picked three that would be the main candidates. And one, he had an impression from the Holy Spirit's gut, the instinct that comes with the you know gift of wisdom came to him. And he was like, this one, well, he ended up rebuilding that company, selling it back to the nation for a profit. And that country was going through something and gave him like a thank you card, basically from the nation saying, if we hadn't had this, this pushed our whole nation forward. Thank you for rebuilding and not letting it be destroyed. And so he's done that now over and over and over because he has a gift to be able to see patterns. And there's a lot of these natural, somewhat natural gifts, but these natural ways that we've been built and wired by God 
whether it's in business or you see politicians sometimes have an instinct or you see, and we talk about the maternal instinct and business instinct, political instinct. And we don't look at those things as part of the wiring that God put inside of us, part of the, how he made us for those things. And he puts inside of us the tools we would need and also the gut, you know, knowledge or understanding to be able to do something that he created us for. So most people who are given the right education, the right, you know, economy around them will actually, it's, we've seen it with celebrities, they'll actually do really well with their craft or their skill or their career, even if they do terrible in their personal lives, because there's something inside of us that if it gets shaped by the right people, it's going to come out. God made it that way. Wisdom, though, helps us when we're connected to God through his spirit, helps us to not just have a thriving career, but to have an internal thriving life. Well, to actually good. do something with God that we're already wired for, but also to have the relationship on top of it guiding so that sometimes we might be successful in something, but God's like, not yet. Like, hold back. Serve this company still. Another friend of mine, just as far as the last example before your next question, uh, during the recession of 2007 and eight, he was a, in a production company. And he was a, you know, a low to medium level manager in the company. It was a, it was a medium sized company in the entertainment industry. And, um, and when, during the recession, everybody had to be laid off except for a very few. And he kept going into the chair or the, it was, I guess the CEO in this kind of office, the CEO's office and just tell him, we're going to make it. This is who you are. And he would just speak to him like all about his life. And he got uh, offers from other companies to go in and for a little bit better position, way better pay. But he just felt like God was saying, be loyal. Like he felt wisdom inside of him. It wasn't like a voice can be loyal. He could just feel it. It's feel that it, yeah. instinct, that gut check. He just knew in his spirit and from God's spirit that he was supposed to stay. And they got some past the point of what was comfortable. They started to furlough employees salary and the whole thing. And he would even go in and work, even though it was an HR concern, he would work anyways. And then finally, it got down to four or five people. And he yeah. was one of them. And, it, and the CEO asked him, why are you with me? And he said, because... I know what's on your life and I know that I'm supposed to be here. I need to be loyal to you. I'm a Christian and part of being a Christian is, is, you know, hanging in there until you feel like you're not supposed to. And I just feel like you're a good man and this thing's going to work. And later on, he got, uh, the, about a year later, the man got three or four big contracts for, you know, over a hundred million dollars to make some films. And uh, he promoted my friend to vice president of the company. And my friend's like, I don't have the experience. I don't have the, I can't do this. He goes, yes, you can, because, you stuck with me through the hardest period of my life. That loyalty is worth any education I have to bring to you wow. because I need you in this position. I need my friends and people who are like family to this company who had the best interests at heart. I could hire a, a vice president who'll be gone in two to four years, but I could never rehire a you. And so there's that thing about wisdom that causes people to see you in a different light. It causes the, the fruit of the spirit Galatians five to manifest, see, be seen in the manifest way like as you're operating in it, like people see it in you because you make decisions that aren't the normal decision. That's decisions that are for your own best interest. You're making decisions for God's best interest, which sometimes is counterintuitive and it's really beautiful. Wow. That's amazing, man. I think, you know, you shared those two, two main stories there. I think what really hits me as you're sharing that is that, well, first of all, there's so many people that are listening that, you know, they're not, they're not in church circles necessarily leading, but they're leading in marketplace. They're leading in business and government, whether it's politically or in some other government sector and education, yeah. uh, media. And I think a lot of people misunderstand sometimes like what the word of wisdom is. We think it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a word that I say, but sometimes it's yeah. just simply annoying. Like you kind of said, like, I just had this idea. I know what to do. I mean, James says, and you know, if we ask for wisdom, we need to totally. believe that we've received it. And for me, I know 
Sometimes the greatest wisdom that I've ever, let's say, walked in is not come, I, I had a vision or I, you know, I, I said a word or it was just, I had a knowing. I just, I, I, I walked, I stepped into this space by just my, what let's, let's call intuition. It felt like intuition. It was yeah. that simple and that just, uh, you know, nor- normal everyday feelings that we, we feel sometimes wisdom or a word of wisdom is that and I think we've so super spiritualized yes. the gifts of the spirit. And I mean, you know, this, you talk about this all the time about, you know, when we were teaching on, and I, I teach on this too, like on prophecy, like it's not so mystical, like people think it is. It's just, it's a natural way of living. The gifts of the spirit aren't these like crazy out there, out of the box things. They're just part of our everyday life. If we choose to lean in and acknowledge, because I, I think a lot of people operate in the word of wisdom and don't even know it. They don't even know. Absolutely. They're, well, they're, people come to me and tell me I'm an intuitive or I have a lot of instinct or I have a, a good gut. And then now I've gotten saved. and I know I'm not supposed to listen to that anymore. And I'm like, why wouldn't you live? That's part of God. That's he's with us all along. It's just finally we're with him when we accept him as our Lord and savior. Finally, we say yes to him, but he's trying to prove himself to us. He's put things in us. I love Galatians five uh, in the message version. I think it's around 22 during the gifts of the Holy spirit. One of the message versions versus the spirit is believing that a basic holiness permeates people and things and the world around you. So it's basically, yes, there's original sin. You and I have kids. We know there's original sin. We watched <laughs> we, It's like no one taught them that that just is inside of them. But there's also original goodness that until we're dead oh, and good. have yeah. not made a choice for God, and then we go you know, to hell, then that means that everything that was available to us is still available on this side of the earth. He gave us this life for enjoyment, whether we choose to live it through him or in him or with him or not. He has given us this, these gifts, these talents that will work with or without his spirit making in partnership. And so there's this part of people that with these gifts, even the whole, you know, gifts of prophecy, gifts of wisdom, people think that it only turns on when you're a Christian or else it wasn't God at all. But I mean, I've talked to so many people because when you're training people out to hear from God, you have to say, you know, what are some of the big wins you've had? And if it's a career person, what are the, your five biggest wins in your career? How did you get there? Let's reverse engineer it. Let's go all the way to the point where you made a decision that caused a tipping point or where someone made a decision for you. Now, where was God of that? And they're like, well, I wasn't saved yet. No, he was there. Where was he? How did he help you? What did you hear in your gut? What made you make that decision? And they could start to see a pattern for how they hear from God. But most people want this disruptive voice. And it's really, you know, it's, it's kind of like most people who get saved want a father, a spiritual father, not usually a mother because mothers aren't looked on upon as, as valuable for whatever reason. I've had more mothers and fathers in the spirit, but whatever. But, you know, I, my natural dad is awesome. And he was verbal at times. And he helped me at times, give me great advice. But really what he did was that was the most profound was the nonverbal example oh, wow. of walking with him and doing life with him and watching how he made decisions, watching how he honored my mom and sisters and other women, watching how he did his finances, watching how he never lied. Like I learned more from the example of just the nonverbal relationship. And with wisdom, a lot of the way God's wired us for wisdom, it's nonverbal. I don't wow. think Jesus was sitting in the dirt watching them about to stone a woman and and hearing the father say, stop this right now, whatever you do. I think the man, when he asked him and said, what should I do to this woman? Jesus knew he was going to do something, but he, he said, what should you do this woman? What should we do with this woman? And a wisdom came out of his spirit, which was, you know, truly God and said, you who don't have sin cast the first stone." He always brought up options, which I love about the word of wisdom is that it brings up another option, a love option typically that would not have existed if it wasn't for the spirit of God inside of us. 
Well, that's amazing. I love what you said about, and it's so true. You know, we're we're born. I mean, James one seventeen, I believe it is, says that all good gifts, every good and perfect gift, comes from the Father. Yeah. And so there are good gifts that even in your non-believing in Jesus state, you are operating totally. in. And when you totally. give your life to Jesus, those gifts now that were always there have an opportunity to operate in their redemptive state now because they were always purposed to be used to to bring you know honor to, to God and advance the kingdom yeah. of God here on, on this earth. And so, you know, I, I've always... Well, I'll say, let me say this yeah. real fast because I think it's an interesting proving to the point. I was sitting with Randy Jackson, one of the Jackson Five, and he was talking about his brother, Michael, and the whole Jackson Five, and how they knew they had a gift from God. He's, he's a radical Christian, Randy Jackson is now, that he knew they had a gift from God. He knew that this gift was, like they all knew, Michael knew, there's something on their lives that was special, but they didn't know how to plug it in necessarily to the fullness. And so even, even in the midst of all that they had, being some of the most famous musicians in history, being some of the most seen people, there was a gap between having God fully manifest in it and having a gift from God. And that's where Christianity comes in is that there's a, there's an incomplete until you plug in. But the problem is a lot of Christians don't have full belief for everything they're called to. And so they're not a good demonstrator of Matthew five and six, where, you know, Jesus says no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl, but they put it from the highest place it can shine from part of the wisdom words of wisdom that come is, I'm going to give you the wisdom on how to shine from the highest place you can and have the most influence and resources to do what you're called to. And Christians have shied away from that because of the hyper prosperity message. And that's part of how wisdom comes is to show you how to have breakthrough in your generation. Man, that's so good. I love that. I, you know, I, I think that it's encouraging to people. And you said the story about Randy Jackson and, and their awareness, even in their younger years, that there was something special on them, on their family, on their brother. And then you see it manifest. I mean, I mean, the king of pop, you know, Michael Jackson, you see it manifest these gifts. You know, we have to believe that they're from God. Yes, we as people can abuse the gifts that we've been given 100%. I mean, uh, I don't think Paul would ever be writing to the church at Corinth if there wasn't an abuse. He was bringing direction and correction. He was saying, hey, guys, don't be ignorant. Like, don't be stupid. Like, I want to bring health and order to the function and the operation of these of these gifts, because these aren't something, and I've always taught this, like gifts from God isn't something that, uh, you know, we're just, we're hoping one day that that God's going to drop on us. I believe we have access to them all the time. Because yeah. how can we be expected to not abuse the gifts if they only came and they, they, the gifts came and went, they came and went, you know, it's like only in certain moments does the gift come. No, I have access to it because I have access to it. I have the ability to abuse it or use it for honor. It's almost That's like the good. equivalent of like, imagine, you know, you, you didn't know today if, if you went to the gym, you didn't know if today you were going to have muscle to build. That would be the equivalent of, you know, us not having an all access pass granted to us to the gifts of the spirit. That would be like only when God wills it only in certain moments. It's like, no, how can I be responsible for developing a gift? I don't always have and don't always have access to. That's why there's abuse in the gifts of the spirit. That's so good, Sean. That's such a great point. I think most people, if you think of uh, your relationship with God, like a marriage, when you get married, um, if the person's completely quiet and doesn't process anything with you, that's what we consider a dysfunctional marriage. But for some reason in Christianity, if we become a Christian and God never speaks to us, it's not considered dysfunctional religion. 
Wow. Yeah. I just think it's so important that we look at relationship with God, that he wants to talk more than we want to listen. That when Paul did address the Corinthians, he said, hey, no eye has seen, no ears heard what God has in store for those who love you in 1 Corinthians Corinthians 2, uh, 9. But you know it by his spirit, and the spirit searches the deepest parts of the Father and then relates him to you. And you have the mind and the perceptions of Christ. That's what that means, is you have the wisdom of Christ. You have the way that Jesus thought because of the Holy Spirit resting on him. You have that on your life. And so I think there's there's a big issue with unbelief, and, and it really comes under, it's not evil unbelief like where people are, wicked and just don't believe God can do things. It's really not understanding our role of what's available to us. And when you look at, when I tell people, God wants to talk to you more than you want to hear him. One lady, you know, she was a celebrity. I was in another Asian country, top celebrity woman in her country. And I ended up getting pulled out of a meeting and I'm in her celebrity van. It's like real private. No one knows we're there. And she looked at me and said, will you give me a message from God? So she's, you know, open to Christianity has done, I think like a basic course of Christianity but isn't sure yet. And I said, I'm going to pray with you that you hear from God. And she goes, I can't hear from God. I don't, I don't hear from God. And I said, you're wired to hear from God. So I'm going to pray with you first. If you don't hear from God, I'll pray and ask God to speak to me, but I want to see what will happen with you. So we sit there and I go, Holy Spirit, who loves her so much, Father, who thought of her before time began, God, who can't even fit in this van. You're so vast. You want to live inside of her. Is there something you want to tell her? And she sits there and she goes, I, it can't be God. And I said, what, what did you mean? Wow. She goes, I heard I love you. And it went into a place in me that I've never heard anyone tell me I love you. Wow. She goes, this can't, that's, and she got mad. She goes, that can't be God. And I said, so we asked the God of the universe to speak to you. And you heard in a way you, you're articulating, you've never heard anyone say I love you in that place. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to allow that love to, I want you to feel that love for a second. And she starts to go, how can you love me? No, I'm so dark. No, why would you love me like this? you love me even though I'm dark? And I said, that's a scripture. And I tell her in Song of Songs, and I'm dark and I'm lovely. And she's like, what? And she starts to have these encounters. And there was all basic. It could be like one-on-one. But each one was a scripture that she never read because she never read the whole Bible. And so by the time we're done, she got saved because of a revelation that came to her, but she didn't believe she could hear from God. So I think that that's the picture of like, you know, God comes on and gives her wisdom for her life, shows her what to do. And we're wired for that, but we don't have an expectation that that's who God is because the church hasn't presented that by and large. Although I'll say this statistically, there's over 2.4 billion-ish Christians on the earth right now, and over 800 million are Pentecostal or charismatic believers. So that's huge because that means that we're we're now coming up to, in the next 10 years, we'll be the controlling share as people who believe God moves in power on the earth. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. You know, I think you said it, you know, about the the celebrity that you know, it was kind of wisdom for her to do or receive what she received. I think also it was a word of wisdom for you because you knew what to do. I mean, you could have went prophesied over her. You could have went moved in the word of knowledge over her, but you had a word of wisdom that you were to ask her to pray and open her heart up to hear hear from God. And that to me, like wisdom unlocks so much. I mean, it's, it's a starting point. I mean, it's a beginning point. It's the, I love it. I referenced it earlier, how wisdom is like the first mentioned over and over through scripture about wisdom being the beginning, wisdom being a starting point. And I feel like you operated and you exemplified it, that you got a word of wisdom 
You knew what to do in the moment. You saw the blueprint. The first step is you need to get her to open her ears, to open her art to God's love for her. And then, you know, from there, I mean, you probably, maybe you prophesied over her. Maybe you moved in the word of knowledge. You discerned some stuff over her I just, life. Honestly, I just hugged her. That's you all just I did. Her. Well, even, she, even she got better. saved by herself. And, yeah, even better. Yeah, got- but I, I, I love that because I think that sometimes we so overcomplicate wisdom. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be this crazy deep like wow moment it's simply just well, i have the wisdom to get her to like open her ears the um story of uh, solomon which i love when he has the dream and god says you could have whatever you want and out of his spirit which is really god's spirit in him says i want the equivalent of the word is not wisdom it's actually it's a it's a more of a spiritual word like the gift of wisdom or the word of wisdom it's not just discerning between good and evil it's not just those but it's actually a word that Hebrew has that we don't have in English. It's not a very Latin word. And it's to understand the same way that God's mind would process and his own process. And so you see this in Daniel 117, divine intelligence or super spiritual intelligence. You see this in a couple of places in the Bible where people, Paul had it, where people who all of a sudden process. Now we should understand that more than any other generation because I was at Barnes and Nobles the other day and uh, it's not on lockdown anymore. We can go. And I was looking at the self-help section. And the reason why people buy self-help books is because they want to understand if it's an athlete who's won a gold medal, if it's a business person, like inside the mind of Bill Gates on Netflix, if it's that kind of thing, we want to know how their mind works because if we can understand their process, maybe then we can use that process to have similar results for our own wins. So our generation is wired for that in the Western world. And I look at it and go, God has allowed us to culminate in a generation who wants what Solomon was the first one to ask for, what Paul says we have in 1 Corinthians 2, we have the mind and the processor of, or perceptions of Jesus. We're wired for this. So this gift is going to play front, front and center role in everything that's happening right now. Because if we want transformative culture, like, like the racism issue in America that's now worldwide, it's like if we want to solve that, we have to have spiritual issue or wisdom that deals with roots not just appeasement, not just pacification, or not just one loud voice over another loud voice. And so that's why I love this gift. Well, that's amazing. I, I love Solomon. Solomon, one of my favorite examples is First Kings chapter 3, I think it's verse 16 to 2023, 20, somewhere in there, where it, it kind of recounts the story of the two women. And uh, yeah. one of them rolled over on her baby in, at, in the night, and the so other sad. one, so what she did was, and she killed them, and so she switched the the dead baby, her dead baby, with uh, another mother's uh, baby who was alive. They switched them, or she switched them, and then they they both woke up. One woke up with the the one that wasn't her kid, and the other one who did not roll over on her kid woke up, and her ch- child was dead. And so they brought this matter to Solomon, and you, you, most of you may be listening know this story, maybe you don't, but they brought this matter to Solomon, who was in that time was the wisest in all yeah. the land. People came just to hear his wisdom and ask him questions. And uh, they bring this matter to Solomon, and I love what Solomon does. I mean, it's actually like totally savage on every level. He says, okay, you know, because he, I feel like he can discern it. He has a word of wisdom. He knows yeah. what to do. He has this way of knowing how to handle matters of justice. And so he says, bring me a sword and we'll cut the ba- the alive baby in half and we'll just share the halves. And in that moment, I think he knew the real mother, the heart of a mother that would never want her child who is alive to, to die 
cries out and says, just, okay, just, just give her to the, give, give my baby to the other one. And then in that moment, Solomon saw the heart of the real mother. And that was all part of the plan. But to me, that's a great example of the word of wisdom in action. Maybe you could just dive into this a little bit, Sean, talk about how you've, you've seen the word of wisdom collaborate with other gifts, more specifically like prophecy, the word of knowledge, uh, maybe discerning of spirits. Sure. Talk about how that's well, worked for you. I'll talk about like for me um, in the marketplace side of things, like we had, uh, this is even as a Christian book, we had to distribute a book and we, we do a co-publishing with most of our books with a publisher. And so he does all the bookstore chains and we do all of our tours and our trips and our smaller bookstores, like a Bethel and Reading or something like that. We would do that bookstore. And so we had to know how many books to order because we couldn't go into cash flow issues that year. So we were really praying and saying, how many units do we order for our own tour in our own life? And then uh, the, the publisher also needed to know how many to order for him. And so we, we could have ordered, you know, 10,000, 20,000, but each time increment gets ex- extravagantly more expensive and will put us in one quarter to one half of the year into cash flow issues if they don't sell well. So my wife and I and uh, our, our COO prayed and we each prayed for a number of books, you know, just, okay, God, what's the number you have for us? Because we felt like, like what, like who needs this book? Now, the problem was it was the book itself was on words of knowledge, which is a niche, niche, niche part of the prophetic. Now, the prophetic market, a best-selling book in the prophetic market is typically upwards of 25,000 books is like a bestseller for the year or even all time. Like that's, there's just not a lot of big sellers in that market. And so to have a, one gift being represented in that market where there's only one other book, it's maybe going to sell 10,000, right? I'm thinking like, I'm just writing this as an offering of love so people understand this gift. And uh, so my, my COO was saying, I feel like we're supposed to order 30,000. And I said, that would put us so far behind. We can't order 30,000 right now because we can't do that in our small limited budget. And he said, no, we need to do that. So my wife and I prayed and we went I, and we did 15,000 instead of 30. And, uh, and, and our CEO had been right on every kind of order or project we have. And we both have things that are not for Christian ministry and things that are. So he helps us run both. And so, uh, so he looks at this and goes, I think we've made a mistake. Well, by the time two weeks ahead came, we were pre-ordered out and we'd use all of those books. So we'd sold 15,000 books before we even started. Crazy. And so we had to make another order. Well, my wife and I said, let's pray again. And we said, let's do 15,000 more. So it'd be the original 30,000 you saw. The problem was in the first couple of weeks, we sold 15,000 more. So wow. we should have done another 30,000. So we weren't really hearing because of the lack of um, understanding and Fear, maybe business. fear was fear in there probably somewhere, possibly. Well, I, just, I wouldn't even call it fear. I would just say normal business. Like this, these kinds yeah. of books don't sell in this. So it would be a phenomenon. It'd be a viral experience. You can't plan for viral. You have to plan with wisdom. But God was giving us a word of wisdom through our CEO who said, he put a God card on it and said, "Wow, I, excuse me, I really feel like this is God. And we listened. Now we did not listen to him. We just said, we're listening to you. We're going to make a different decision. But but if you're right, it's going to help us in our future relationship. But don't take this as like, you know. And, <laughs> and if you're and so wrong, you're right. fired. <laughs> I know, exactly. Multiple times he was right, even though we didn't listen to the actual wisdom itself where we had some orders. And so another time we, we had another book come out and we did listen to him and it was way more than we thought we could sell. But he had a word on it again and he had, it was a word of wisdom. We need to order this many because prophetically, and here's where prophecy works, we're going to sell this many within six weeks. He gave us a word and we did. So... I think, you know, having the right people around you who actually hear from God with you, it helps. But there is a navigation journey of it, too, especially when it comes to business. It's like there's even hiring certain people. Like I, I thought I had a word of wisdom on hiring um, uh, 
Well, I've had a word of wisdom on hiring several people and I've had, sometimes it's worked out and sometimes it didn't work out. So we reevaluate each time and go, was that right? Was that really a word of well, wisdom? Hey, hey remember Jesus hired Judas. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. It gives me great comfort. Believe me. <laughs> me too. No, that's awesome. No, and I want to stay there for a little bit longer, but I just want to say one thing is that I, I feel like we can almost break up and, and maybe you can speak into what you think on this. Um, break up wisdom into three categories. We have... Um, you know, the wisdom of man. So what often seems practical to us is foolishness to God. It's the wisdom of man. It, you know, it, it makes sense logically, but it doesn't mean that it makes sense logically to God because God's logic is often to us what feels like foolishness. And then we have sure. godly wisdom, which is, you know, driven by godly values, driven by, you know, integ integrity and character, um, understanding who God is and his nature. We have godly wisdom. Then we have the word of wisdom. I mean, we can maybe have a, have a fourth category, the spirit of wisdom. I don't know. But then we have the word of wisdom, yeah. which like you said, it was like, you know, I don't know what category you, you would say that you were landing in as far as the 15,000 books that you felt to order. If you would categorize we that as like godly wisdom, yeah. godly wisdom. And he was, and, and, but he had a word of wisdom. Yeah. You know, we, we acknowledged it. We didn't fully pay attention because in our relationship, we were still learning how to listen for those right. kinds of things. But, um, but we're constantly trying to, whenever there's a numbers or sales thing, we're constantly asking God for a word of wisdom so we can meet. And so if you think about it this way, if you're a business owner who provides a service, Lord, show me all the people I get to love through the service and resource and put numbers to your God with me. Give me instinct, give me intuition, give me a word of wisdom so that I can actually prepare to love them well. And that's a, that's really reasonable, but it's spiritual wisdom. There is a fourth category we put on there, which is, uh, uh, counterfeit wisdom, which comes from political spirit or comes from fear. It's the people who put up Black Lives Matters handprints in their windows here in LA because they're afraid they were going to be raided or looted, but they don't care about Black Lives. Wow. But it felt wise to do. And there's this thing that happens when you sow into political or world humanism, humanistic wisdom, you don't reap any benefits, even from wow. even from just natural wisdom or from godly wisdom. When it's humanistic, there's just, we saw one third of the world's uh, population sell itself into during Russia's regime, sell itself into socialism, a wrong kind of socialism, because they were hope for a better future. And so we also see that as well. So we are in this divine tension because we have the godly wisdom, which isn't quite enough for every situation because we need to hear from God. We also have human wisdom fighting against us, but we also have like a counterfeit wisdom, which feels very wise and is very convincing, but it's not actually doesn't have the whole picture of the whole truth. Wow, that's amazing. That's really interesting. Counterfeit wisdom. Yeah, and that's I think that's rampant, especially in the church. Yeah. On a lot of levels. And I think a lot of it's motivated out of fear too, as well. If I don't do this, this is going to happen. And the motivations, I mean, I think that one of the biggest elements in the kingdom and kingdom life is what God looks for is motive. What's your motivation? Like what's what's your what's your heart posture in whatever it is that you're doing? Because I think that is a huge reflection. It's a reflective of um, what type of wisdom it really is. What type of you know uh, outcome really is going to come as a result of it. So I think motive is huge. I think uh, just to kind of connect back to the question, and then I want to connect it to this as well at the same time. Um, you know, connecting the operation of the word of wisdom to the other gifts of the spirit, and I I believe that they can become a blanket, or the word of wisdom can become a blanket to all gifts just as all the gifts can become a blanket for each other and they can all kind of move together yeah. and collaborate, yeah. cross-pollinate. Um, but one it's of the colors, different colors, different yeah. colors. Yeah. colors. 
And I, I, the one thing that I, I, I would love to ask you and then to connect it back to the last question of how they connect with the other gifts is how the word of wisdom operates in you. Um, cause I mean, I think a lot of people, leaders out there leading businesses and the, the, the moment we become aware that maybe we've been operating in the word of wisdom for the last, you know, decade, two decades, it's yeah. almost like an invitation to now see an increase. I believe that what we value and what we acknowledge, we actually make room for increase in our life. And so we could be operating in these gifts, like even in our businesses, prophesying to our employees without even knowing it. We don't call it prophecy. We, we you know, we're just encouraging, but we're actually prophesying. Yeah. We're actually inspiring. We're actually bringing direction and correction and we're operating in these gifts in the marketplace, don't even know it. But the moment we become aware that we actually have been and are operating in it, it all of a sudden, it's like an invitation for them to increase and strengthen in our life. And so for me, for me, just want to share this really quick. And then I want to get you to, to, to jump in on this. When we, I feel like, honestly, I probably operate in wisdom more than any of the gifts, but I, I, yeah. I don't really talk about it a lot. I don't really... I would say that I'm more prophetic, but it, when I when I look back and I think through conversations I have, I can literally feel wisdom, like I almost like it possesses me. And when I'm talking to somebody, I can tell them I'm like, I know what I'm saying to you is like a word of wisdom right now. I can feel it. I can feel the weight of it. It's like I get my whole body feels it. I don't know about you, but that's how Love I feel it. like it operates for me. What about you? Well, I think, you know, my two favorite things are process and then transformation. Those are like more than gifts or more than whatever. And so I think wisdom lends itself to helping us understand where we're at with ourselves, with our relationships with God, and then also which would be process. And then it also helps us to understand how to bring transformation, whether it's a personal transformation or world transformation. So for me, more than any other gifts, I, I love when wisdom manifests because it, it brings a part of the internal dialogue of God that's happening into you. It's a, it's a way he shares the intimate thoughts more than anything else. And I, all of my close friends, what do you love most about your close friends? You get to process your heart or hear their process of their heart. And you get to watch them grow through that process. You know, you get to be there with them and champion them or, or being there. You know, it's, it's a sacrificial process, but it's a beautiful process and vice versa, you know? And so I think like when I hear God, how he's going to, you know, Jesus paid a price to transform the whole world. He paid a price for, restoring all things. And a lot of that will be done in eternity, but there's a picture of it here on earth still. And so I look at it in just every conversation that I'm in, a lot of times people come to me and they, they've seen maybe something from a platform I've done or heard a story. So they come to me, you know, trying to get a direct result of like, should I divorce my wife? You know, what's God saying, you know, or whatever. And I get that quite a bit, like really hard questions that are like, you should know this on your own. I shouldn't be, you're coming to a prophetic guy for this or a leader, or like, is my business going to be okay? Or, you know, do we make a right financial decision on this property? People ask almost the psychic type questions. But the beautiful thing is that wisdom causes them in that moment, if you're operating in it, to be regrounded in the relational aspect of who God is. So I experience like, I, it's like my mind hears processes, like filters out their actual question. And I see the heart behind it. And I start to ask the father and start to see or fellowship with his heart of this beautiful person who may have come out of incredible pain. But I'm starting to see his actual process with them that's bigger than this issue. This issue that they're dealing with might be their number one prayer need that they would define. But God's prayer list for him is totally different. And the things that he could do in their life that would resolve so much more than just the most pressing need is bigger. So I feel like um, I have constantly lived, dis disappointed people in the prophetic. 
but reappointed them with wisdom that comes out of me, that comes from God. Like I'll, I'll be with someone and they're saying, you know, come on, tell me about this. And I'll, I have nothing to say about it at all. And then I'm like, but I do know, like when you were talking about this and I'll give them like wisdom for how to be with their children. And they're just like, oh my gosh, God is so good. Like, and they forget the initial question, the initial ask. And I've learned a lot about myself with that with God, where I, I have a certain agenda that I come with. And a lot of times I, I'm practicing clearing myself of, it, myself of it and saying, you know, you're Jesus, you're standing before the throne right now. You can talk to me about whatever you want to. I know this is important to you already. So I'm just coming and emptying myself. What would you say? Which I think is the posture where wisdom comes, which is like, what's on your mind? You know, what's in your thoughts? And when we serve God that way, we lay aside some level of self and we surrender self. We get to hear his wisdom in a way that wouldn't have come if we had just come with needing our list so bad out of the pain or the frustration. And it is hard. I mean, it's really hard. Like I'm, we're going through some things right now with COVID where we're having to pivot. We had to postpone or cancel 37 tour stops for the year. Wow. And we had to look at our organization and go, God, how are we going to rebuild? And, you know, my wife's gardening career is taking off right now in a major way where she's teaching people about sustainable gardening and how to do victory gardens and the whole thing and TikTok sponsorship and all these things. So she's going on down a career path that was not our original ministry path. I'm going down some uh, producing career paths with uh, entertainment industry stuff that I couldn't have done all the travel that I was going to do and do the production stuff I'm doing right now, which I can't tell you about. It's really exciting, but it's fun. And then also we have our prophetic kind of mandates or whatever God has for us. So we've had to hear God in wisdom, even to let good things go to do things that aren't necessarily better yet and humanize because they're not more productive or fruitful to other people around us. But that we know inside of us, there are true North. And that's where wisdom comes in. And I think for me personally, I always balance the gift of wisdom to how much do I experience in my own life? Like, when I, do I know wisdom in my own life? Do I know in areas that he's led me that I've had huge wins that I wasn't responsible for? And that's where I start to get the feels. Wow, it's amazing. And it's funny because you say all that stuff. And I, I remember, I mean, back when we were together in November in LA, you, in a sense, by a word of wisdom, predicted this because you had said you felt the shift coming. And I feel like you're in the shift because, I mean, all the things have been canceled. And in some way, your your spirit anticipated this without knowing, obviously, yeah. that pandemic would hit. But now it's like, in a sense, like you're forced to like rebuild. Like you said it. I mean, you, that's what the word of wisdom does. I feel like is it helps us change lanes. Sometimes we know oh. we're going to change the lane eventually. But I feel like the word of wisdom just kind of like gives us that extra push. It It, it moves us into the lane that... We knew we were going to go eventually, but I feel like, and I feel like you, you anticipated this at some level. And so you can find, I feel like when we have a word of wisdom and then we see it play out, I, I find for me, I can find comfort in man, like God was speaking to me. Like I had that wisdom back then. Now I'm living the result of it. And wow, so I can rest in the fact that I know I'm in the right lane now. Yeah. I know our mutual friend, Jennifer Toledo, her and her husband lead our local church here in LA and Jennifer said, there's never going to be a time like right now where people can reinvent themselves and choose what was more true to them because they're off the gerbil wheel of so what good. brought them satisfaction and everything else. And it's already so painful as they choose career path. That's different. It's already so painful. Yeah. It is. I mean, so many people are, I mean, in America, we have 30 million people unemployed. So it's like, if, are you going to go back into that job that you didn't like anyways, or are you going to try and reinvent yourself when it's already so painful? You know that we have and like 37 million in our whole country. That's like almost uh, the equivalent yeah, of our whole country. Inside of our, I think it's gone down now some, but I mean, that was the, the numbers that are high were between 24 and 30. So I just think like, 
for me personally, I look at it and go, you know, there's, there's things that we're called to do in our lifetime. Again, that wisdom points us at, and there's a lot of good stuff we do that fills the same space. And I think God's spiritual wisdom is, is comes above just normal godly wisdom because godly wisdom will keep you even on the gerbil wheel. Godly wisdom will say, well, wow. this is good. This is, I'm helping people. I'm spiritually doing great things. But then inside there might be an inner dissatisfaction. And my wife and I have experienced that a few times where we pivoted um, once when we were first married from being senior pastors and then we're pivoting again now. And it's, and they were great pivots. It wasn't a big change of contracts of what we do in life. It was just enough of a change though where it offended a lot of people in our life. Unfortunately, we didn't know we were going to offend people. People were like, wait, you're changing your contract with me by changing your contract with that. You're no longer my pastor. You're no longer doing that. So it really did hurt a lot of people's feelings, but the fruit and result of it was so good. It was worth it. And I've done it before when I you know, moved from Kansas city and I've done, so I've made these pivots, but I think with spiritual wisdom, like these words of wisdom, when you follow them, all heaven and hell breaks loose at the same time, but it's so worth it. There's something inside of you that feels free, even in the midst of being attacked or we have, you know, controversy, uh, seasons of controversy come every two or three years, just with when you're going after things, whether it's you're at a secular job and it's in your company and somebody, whatever, if you're going after the right thing at the right time, you're going to hit, you know, disappointment or controversy or accusation, whatever. And we hit some again during this time and we were laughing going, well, it's on par with exactly the changes we want to make. It helps us to even more refine those, those decisions because I don't want to die in the mountain that even people want me to die in anyway. So it's like perfect, you know? So I think just knowing that when there's wisdom and then when you start walking in it, you need more, it's accumulative, you need more, but also hell breaks out in some areas of your life as well. And when I say that, it doesn't mean your life's going to get worse. You're just going to notice what the schemes of the enemy are. And you're going to notice if, you know, things that you were doing that weren't good for this season, you're going to notice how bad those things are now for you. Wow. And it doesn't mean you rewrite your history and say that was wrong. It just means that if you go back, it's Hebrews 11. When they looked forward, they stayed looking forward because if they looked backwards, they'd have opportunity to return to a place in time that was no longer them. Wow. And I love that in Hebrews 11 where it talks about that, the people of faith. That's so good. You know, you said a comment, and then I want to shift it to one last question here. Um, you said a comment about even in godly wisdom, you can still be on the hamster wheel. And that's so true as I think that when I think of that, and just to maybe break it down for some people, because I think when some people hear, well, if it's godly, it must be God. But here's the thing. I believe it can be godly in principle. Yes. And principle driven, but not presence driven. And there's a big difference. I mean, the whole purpose and vision behind the podcast, this podcast specifically, the Supernatural Leadership Podcast, is that I I try to differentiate between principle-led leadership and presence-led leadership. Not that yeah. principles are bad, but I believe that principle needs to be the associate of presence. It's yes. secondary. And and yes. ultimately, John 5, 19, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. He was presence driven. Even though he operated in principle, he was presence driven ultimately. And those principles were a sort of demonstrated through the motivation of being presence driven. I think that's good because I think People confuse godly wisdom with God's wisdom. We're talking about God's wisdom manifest in the form of leading from the word of wisdom that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. Very different than godly wisdom where we have the principles of the kingdom, but it's not driven from the same motivation. So I think that's, uh, you hit something there. I feel like it's so good for 
people to realize that some of us in the name of God are on the hamster wheel still. And, and we're, and we're, we're qualifying that by, well, it's yeah. godly that I do this. It's godly that I don't give up, but there isn't, there's a shift that happens when we operate in the word of wisdom, where maybe we get off the hamster wheel of routine and rhythm and find God's rhythm in this next season. And that's what the word of wisdom looks like when it, it, it manifests. And so let me just ask well, you I'll this. I'll say this too, yeah, like as a leader, when leaders have uh, godly wisdom without godly connection, without it's basically being yeah. connected, living a connected life. Uh, a lot of times leaders get a Messiah complex and that's like something that's been defined very clearly throughout psychology. I had that for a pe- period of time in my 20s where I was so driven by what I thought needed to happen in justice for humanity, especially for the poor, that I was running past um, self-awareness, self-care. I was running wow. past accumulating for legacy. I was running past building a really good organization because I was, we were always in needs. It was very poverty driven. And I, I worked 60 to 80 hours a week easy and I just didn't have a life. And I violated family connections. I violated all kinds of things. And I eventually got adrenal fatigue and I was also sick from a parasite. I got from one of those countries I probably shouldn't have gone to so many um, I got a, a parasite that was very much like a, a cancer or malaria put together. It was really sad. And so during that season, I, I remember talking to a, a business coach of mine because I was doing video game business at the same time. And he said, you know, Sean, like, I feel like you have all the right motivations, but they're all out of order and the priority system is wrong in your heart. And it's because you think God is saying this, this, or God told you one thing and you took it with the Messiah complex to being the full this full thing that you decided you'd go build, you're not building it with him anymore. You're building it for him. And you need to come back into the with him period. And I had to restructure my whole life based on the fact that I'd run past God. And he wasn't asking me to be a full-time missionary to Africa or something or a full-time, you know, social justice working with the United Nations. He wasn't asking me to do that. But in my mind, I had taken it so far that I thought that was my life goal and mission. And so I had to come radically far back wow. from where, because a lot of times when people hear from God once, then they can run with godly wisdom and actually go way past the grace of God. So I just want to say that to leaders who are listening is don't get a Messiah complex. Don't feel like, you know, you have to solve the world's, excuse me, you have to solve the world's problems or that it's on you because that's what leads to burnout. It's what leads to too many work week hours, no self-care, all that stuff. And, you know, we're on the flip side of that now where we, we have really good margins and boundaries. We built a fence in our life to where we don't have to navigate all of that. Well, that's, that's really good. I think it's really encouraging. Let me ask you one last question. Uh, that's really more of the practical side of how we activate the word of wisdom in our leadership. So whether we're you know, like, you know, in many of the different mountains of influence in society, whatever space we find yeah. ourselves leading from, we want to lead from the word of wisdom with the word of wisdom. Let's, let's move into like what an activation could be. How do we activate? How do we step out? How do we take the next step? into leaning in, let's say, let's call it, to the word of wisdom. I mean, in the context of the marketplace, how do we lead? What, what would you say to leaders out there that are saying, okay, I hear all this conversation. This is amazing. I'm being encouraged now. What do I do? How do, how do, I, how do I lead more from the word of wisdom in my vocation? What would you say That's to them great. as an activation? No, I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've done some discovery times with different um, uh, business organizations where we sit with the CEOs or the leaders of the organization and we talk about things and we start with wisdom. And usually what we do is say, what's your three biggest problems? You know, and sometimes it's cash issues too. We'll start with that one. And we ask God first for like, what are some ways that you've put inside of us already organized that we don't need from the outside to come in and help us? And typically 
they'll hear something. It's, it's almost every time. Then we'll say, no matter what you heard, we want you to go to somebody who's a peer or somebody who's ahead of you. They can't be behind you. We want you to find somebody. And there's all kinds of ways to do that. A lot of people say, I don't know anybody like that. But as soon as you find out who's at their golf club or whatever, you, you'll find somebody. Uh, and you're going to ask them, how, when did you hit this kind of issue in your organization or a similar compatible issue? And what was your way out of it? Like, tell me the process that you went through, not just the solution, but tell me the process of it and how long did it take and whatever else. And in that, they hear like if the person was open, if they were accountable, if they were teachable, if they were mendable or bendable. Um, and they also hear if there was godly wisdom and how they got out of it. And it can be a Christian or non-Christian person because everyone struggles with these problems. But in hearing how other people have overcome their hard seasons, you can get a picture of like the wisdom that I'm believing for. Um, I have more faith to ask for it. Or if I'm already hearing some things, I have more faith to believe it now that I've heard their story. And it's just, you know, it's one of my friends, he went through a really hard time years ago. He hired somebody and the person blew up and um, for a $5 mistake, turned it into a $30,000 lawsuit with HR with them. And, um, and he sat there and was so frustrated. And his mentor told him, um, you could have learned this mistake when you had millions and when it would have been a $10 million mistake because of a $10 million lawsuit. But God allowed this to manifest with a really unstable person right now. It's not that God led you here, but he let, allowed it to manifest. And you'll never make this mistake again because you're going to do HR right and you're going to do hours and labor and wages right. And there were some things that needed to be tightened for you. And so wow. he and so he prayed into it and was like, oh, I, I see a path down HR and labors and wages that I wasn't looking down before that God wants me to prioritize because of the success that's coming. And now, you know, that was 25 years ago. And he's never had another dispute because he wow. always tackled that area really strongly from that point on. And I think that's the picture of like, if we look at practical spiritual wisdom, godly wisdom, when you're listening to mentors, when you're listening to people who are ahead of you, when you hear other people who are peers or compatible stories, and you hear God in yourself and you compare it, not in a bad way, but you compare it in a good way to, ooh, that's kind of how God worked with them, or ooh, they didn't listen, and they went through a five-year period. I can avoid a five-year mistake by doing it differently now. And then, and then going back into listening prayer and saying, God, in light of all that I've just heard and know, I'm going to listen to you again. I'm going to wait. And waiting on God doesn't mean praying and declaring. It means waiting and maybe reading a few of the Proverbs or about wisdom, like Proverbs 1, 2, and 3, and then going back into, is there anything you want to tell me about this? And that recognizing that it may not be in that moment, but when you're in a transaction, maybe you're in a negotiation later on that day, maybe you're talking to your lawyer, whatever it is, that something comes out of your mouth that you had prepared your spirit for earlier it already dropped in there it was first in the spirit but now it can work in the natural and don't discount the time you're spending with god like it's for real like you're you're investing and it's like gardening you know my wife's a gardener you're watering something in your life by spending time with them that is going to pop its head above the soil in these conversations later that's awesome so proverbs says there's wisdom in the counsel of many he who hangs with the wise becomes wise i think you said it so i think practically speaking as we close here for all those that are listening i want to give you some uh, tips into activating learning to lead more from the word of wisdom. And that's number one, like Sean, you said it so well, people, people are, you yeah. get around the right people, find the right people. I mean, any business book will tell you that um, it's, it's almost common sense. You, you hang out with the right people, you things in your life, just get right. If they're off track, because you align, you align with those that are aligned. And so I think people is a huge part of it. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. Pursue people. Pursue wise people. Learn from them. Number two, you said it very well. Spend time with God. I think spend time with God. 
Um, like James says, ask for wisdom and then believe you've received it. You know, Paul said it in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You have to desire the word of wisdom. And I would add a third activation for those that are listening right now to practically apply learning how to lead from the word of wisdom in this next season. The third one that I that I would add to this is pray that you are aware when you operate in the word of wisdom, so but may not even know it. Because I think ignorance <laughs> is is one of the the blinders that robs us from increasing the things that are in our life. And so we're ignorant to, oh, that was a word of wisdom. I just operated in a word of wisdom. And we have this mindset that it has to be a certain way based upon so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, and then we miss it. So I'm my the third activation tip that I would give to all the listeners out there in their leadership is to pray that God gives you awareness. Because I believe that where there is awareness you then, it's an invitation and a doorway to increase and strengthen that gift so that it actually grows stronger and stronger. So I think those are three great activations, honestly. And and so my, my prayer for all of you listening is that you would move in the word of wisdom in this next season, lead from the word of wisdom. And Sean, I want to thank you so much for spending some time having a conversation about leading from the word of wisdom. Appreciate your time. Appreciate thank what you're so doing in the earth. It's incredible. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. It's incredible. Thank you so much for listening to our Supernatural Leadership Podcast. That was an incredible conversation with Sean Bowles. I would encourage you to check out some of his resources online. I know they'll be a great investment to you in your leadership. That's it for today. I'd encourage you share this interview, uh, like it, rate it, subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. These um, podcasts come out one episode a month on the first Wednesday of every month, as well as uh, potential spontaneous bonus episodes. So keep watch. Uh, I know this podcast will encourage and strengthen you as a leader, helping you become a little more supernatural in your leadership. See you next time. If this podcast has been an investment into your life and or impacted you in any way, we are incredibly thankful. We would love for you to join us in being able to continue bringing leadership content like this every month. Of course, it does not come without a cost, and our heart is to continue bringing you more improved quality and content. If you would like to partner with us with a one-time financial gift or to sign up as a monthly partner, you can do so at kingdomculture.ca. Thank you for listening to the Supernatural Leadership Podcast.